Hello, it's another episode of the Chris Two Cent Eric podcast. Chris is here, Eric is in the building. Hello, friends. And we have a great episode for you, our second episode. Eric, what is our episode about? Today we're talking about Donald Trump and irrational fandom. Ooh, let's spill that tea. So you know what sucks? Eric, cheering for a team that sucks. You and I, we are both fans of, of sports teams. As we say in our first episode intro, we're both fans of the Raptors. Uh, we're both fans of the Jays. We love sharing stories about, you know, different things are happening in the sports that we love. And I could imagine being like, like the fan of like the Sacramento Kings, who haven't had a great time in sports ever since losing game seven to the Los Angeles Lakers in the early 2000s or being the fan of, you know, the worst baseball team or the Detroit Lions in the NFL. I couldn't imagine being a fan of that. The and New York I, Knicks. For the New York, well, even though, the, I mean, the Knicks are coming along really nicely, but imagine like, like perennial losership up till this season. Like it's been painful and it's hurt the league that way. Ugh. Or, the Ottawa Senators. Sorry if you live in Ottawa, but it's true. Very it's true. a real. It's a real thing. And I at mean, one point, they, like they have done better than the Maple Leafs more recently. Ugh, you're oh talking about spilling tea, brother. You're just coming at everybody. You're just like two guns are blazing right now. Ah! That ends this season, though. <laughs> we have officially been canceled as of right now. Our, all of our GTA listeners have been like, nope, we're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. So I wonder, I wonder at what point does somebody say, I'm done with this team? Because we've all done that. We've watched a team and kind of been like, you know, I, I can't, I can't watch another game. And yet we somehow turn on the TV or turn on our illegal stream or we turn on the radio and we listen to that sports team or watch the sports team one more time. At what, at what point do we, would someone say like, I admit it, they suck and I can't watch this anymore. And then the flip side of that is what will we allow? What will we accept in order to finally win will we bring in a ringer and say like even though you're not really a part of the team it's worth it because we win would we allow and accept a Kawhi Leonard onto our team like we did as Raptors fans in 2019 and because we won a championship put him in Raptor lore but if he hadn't won and he had dipped to go to study Los Angeles and he doesn't doesn't win are we then using clout in order to get something that we don't necessarily deserve are we willing to commit to a cause even if the team sucks and we can look at that from a religious standpoint from a political standpoint much more deeper than a sports standpoint are we willing to pick sides and say you know i'm going to ignore this and pretend like this isn't even happening simply in order to win or are we willing to deal with the repercussions of whoever we bring on our team and whatever we cheer for even if it means a win or or a loss i don't know what do you think as somebody who deeply appreciated Kawhi Leonard being part of my 2019 Raptors, I think you say yes to a bunch of that because DeMar DeRozan was the most loyal, committed player you could ask for. And we dumped him for Kawhi Leonard. And I have no regrets about that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. None. None whatsoever. I, I, would, I would do that again a hundred times out of a hundred and 
that's not fair to DeMar DeRozan. Like it, because of the, because of the result, right? Like it all came down to the result. If Kawhi comes and we don't win the championship, if he doesn't hit that, that game seven, just before overtime game winner to end the series. And we go to overtime and we lose by three because we're playing against Jimmy Butler, who's a fantastic basketball player. We're saying we traded DeMar DeRozan for what? To get the exact same result. But because we won, it's fine. And we, we, you and I, we're both into politics. And we know we, we, the two of us, were raptured up like many other people into the, the train that was, the bullet train that was the 2020, the road to the 2020 American election. We are both Canadians, like we've mentioned. Eric is in the capital city of Canada, in Ottawa. I live in the non-capital city of Oshawa, Ontario. And yet we were we were completely enthralled in the pageantry and the shadism that was the American election. And there were people who were hitching their bets on the win that was Donald Trump. Even though, if you ask the average person, they would point out the difficult things about him, the things that he says, his attitude, his demeanor, his on-brand racism. And you might be listening to this show. If likely if you're listening to this show, you probably agree that he's a racist, but perhaps you're one of those random ones who are listening and you don't think that. You can't help but admit that he if he wasn't racist, he surely didn't necessarily downplay racism or downplay people who had racist ideals that attached themselves to his name. Pause for effect. And yet there was this irrational fandom to say, we cheer for him. We love him. We are going to pray to him and praise him and use him as our shield to somehow get what we want. What are we willing to accept from people in order to simply get a dub? doesn't make any sense to me it doesn't make sense except it totally does because you're right we probably wouldn't trade DeMar DeRozan and feel good about it if we don't win the championship we're just like the Clippers really didn't feel bad about dumping Donald Sterling because he was a terrible owner <laughs> right you know when when somebody's not helping you win like we talked about last week with Terrence Davis, it's a lot easier to let them go and say, oh, that's not really who we are, part of our team. But when we're talking about Donald Trump of politics, we're really thinking about 84% of white evangelicals voted for him. Mm -hmm. And why did they vote for him? He doesn't seem to stand for any of the values that they hold dear. He doesn't seem to stand for the, the character that they seem to want to see if they were raising him as their son, <laughs> they would have been praying for their prodigal child. But we can say this because we've been part of this world. Evangelicals for a couple of decades now have been invested in a project where they believe it's good for them to have power and influence in society. They feel that they're actually engaged in a battle, a war, a fight. Um, they would say for the soul of the nation or their mm. country, fighting for what they believe in. And they believe in that so strongly that in order to win, they'll justify all sorts of things, including supporting Donald Trump, because they saw and see Donald Trump as a person who can kind of fight in the way that they normally wouldn't fight. 
he's evangelicals see themselves as the kid on the on the playground who are getting beat up and pushed around and all of that, right? But they believe that they're that shouldn't be happening to them. And so Donald Trump is like the big kid who comes along, stands mm-hmm. beside them, and stands up for them. And suddenly they feel like they're the big kid on campus. Yeah, it's facts. And they may not agree with everything that Donald Trump does, but he's helping them win. He makes them feel good. He gives them what they want. And so he can say whatever he wants about grabbing whatever he wants and doing whatever he wants. And they're going to look the other way because he's helping them get what they've always dreamed of, of getting. The, the crazy thing is we would not, we would not allow somebody in our assemblies to do this, do the same thing that he's done. We wouldn't have. If, if you said, if we, we work in the same, same place, we work in the same place. If we knew that our leaders, if we knew that the people who we work for were saying and doing what he was saying and doing, there'd be a lot of calls for resignations. There'd be a lot of calls for you shouldn't be in this job anymore. There should be a lot of calls for you should probably be institutionalized. We would not go to a church, neither the two of us, because we have enough sense that we would not go to a church where we knew that the pastor not even on the low, not even low key, but like high key in front of people were saying and doing certain things. You and I, we would not do that. We would not send our kids to a school where this was happening with the principal with any of the teachers. We would be at the PTA meetings going, knock, knock, knock. Yes, we're pacifists, but we're going to lean into this, not violently, but urgently. And yet an entire people who would not who would be disappointed if their grandkids spoke that way or their kids spoke that way said, this is okay because of what we might get in the long run. We might get certain votes to go our way. We might get this old time religion, which may I add, enslaved a lot of people. And might I add, said that women didn't have the ability to vote or have influence, but somehow this old time religion would be good enough for everyone. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the is the win worth your soul. And it boggles the mind that for a lot of people, they would say yes. Right. What is a profit of man if you lose your soul, but you gain three Supreme Court justices? Right. 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 Ah, it's so frustrating. It's so, uh, I'm talking a lot. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pause for a couple of seconds and let you, let, let you pontificate because you're better at this stuff than I am. That's the trade-off, right? Is to get what you want. You they prioritize certain thing, whether it's Supreme Court justices, and we both know that the underlying thing driving a lot of this is the rhetoric around abortion and the pro-life movement. And I think it's author David Dark often tweets the idea that you can justify a lot of things in support of theoretical unborn babies. And we're probably wading into a spicy water a little bit here, and, and we're not really bit. trying to land on that one side or the other necessarily. But the thinking there is, that is so important. The lives of those babies are so important that doing whatever it takes is justified. For the children. For, for the, the children. children. For the children. If you don't catch that one vision reference, too bad, it's still in the show. For the children. 
and they're not wrong necessarily. Like, I mean, I think there's there's room for a conversation on that right. about how Agreed. much is worth that, right? I mean, we would say that you could justify a lot of things to stand up for injustice and to protect victims. And mm -hmm. what could be a better idea of a victim than a unborn baby, right? So I, I have a lot of sympathy for that line of thinking in a way, because when you think about it in that way, you're like, yeah, I would probably justify a lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah. But would you would you justify it to the point where you would wear a t-shirt? Would you to wear to have a flag on your car? Like we like, you know, like you see a World Cup, you probably see it in the capital capital city where you know World Cup comes and there's flags of the world and then like they, they slowly are less and less on cars as teams get knocked out of the tournament. But like that's what happens. Or, you know, the moment your your local team gets into the playoffs, you have the flag, and if they get knocked out, it's gone. You don't necessarily see that for politicians. And you don't you're not willing to lie on their behalf. You know, it's like it's like, you, you know, how many rap songs do you hear about people, you know, don't snitch or like, you know, wifey hiding, hiding the brick in the stash house to make sure that people don't, you know, that when the cops come, nothing happens. And you're willing to say they weren't where they you said they were because you're trying to protect them. Like, how far does this how far down the rabbit hole do you go? How rabbit hole do you go? How far does this fandom go from being I admire them to being I would take a bullet for somebody who doesn't even know my name? Right, to the point of them being able to shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and getting away with it, right? To the point of to the point of storming a Capitol building, knowing that if they were, and people hate hearing this, but it's true, if they were of a different religion, they'd be killed on site. As we say in Toronto, that's an on-site ting. If they stood in the Capitol building and were praying to Allah. It's over. You're blowing up the Capitol building. Done. Done. It's a wrap. If you are if you are a person of color and you walk in that way, when there were when there was a peaceful Black Lives Matter movement um, march, and whether whether you are on the side of the movement of Black Lives Matter, the organization, or just a statement, the thread still works. There were National Guard people on the, the Lincoln Memorial steps in full army gear as people peacefully protested. And yet people were able to go and storm the Capitol with the Confederate flag that has never been close to Washington in the Capitol building. How much, how irrational does one's fandom get? I don't know. We were talking about how you can justify anything in terms of or you can justify a lot of things in terms of protecting unborn babies and these underlying ideals of keeping America great again, which is really code for, can we go back to the way things were when those of us who are evangelicals had more cultural sway and things were more comfortable for us, right? But I don't think they've really thought through the cost of this because it's one thing to say, oh, well, we're going to look the other way when Donald Trump says and does these horrible things in order to get Supreme Court justices, laws passed, whatever it is. And to be honest, I think Donald Trump actually underdelivered for evangelicals in a lot of ways. We're a couple months into the Biden administration and the number of things that'll carry over outside of Supreme Court justices and um, judges on benches is actually pretty small. Mm -hmm. But the other cost, which we saw in the news this week, is people like Beth Moore, 
one of the most conservative yet influential women in the Southern Baptist Convention who spent the last four years just losing her mind. (laughs) Yeah, literally, literally. Find the tweets, find the tweets. Because as a survivor of sexual assault herself, she cannot believe that people would stand there and keep supporting this man after he basically admitted to sexually assaulting people. That the people she loved and trusted and were part of the church community and the organization where she belonged would throw her and the millions of women like her under the bus. Literally. To do this. Just she could she couldn't square that. And so she announced this week she's out of the SBC. She she's like, I'm out. And if you have a Christian organization where Beth Moore literally like is no longer an asset to you. Yeah. Is not someone you want to belong in your community. Like, even if I don't agree with Beth Moore on absolutely everything, I would, I think she's great. You know, I mean, we, we would probably, we could argue about some stuff, but if she was a part of my organization, I'd be like, thank the Lord, Beth Moore. Yeah. Beth Moore is a part of my organization. Free agent, free agent, free agent. That being said, Beth Moore, if you're listening to this podcast, the meeting house is a great place where you can spend time spread, spreading the irreligious message of Jesus, Jesus-centered life, Jesus-centered churches, come through, you know what it is, follow the gang gang, let's go. You're- we fully affirm your ability to lead and preach and teach. All of it, all of it, all of it. We also have salted M&Ms, just come through. Hopefully, I hope she hears this. Teacher. She's like, I, you had me at salted M&Ms. <laughs> now, we've been ragging on evangelicals because Donald Trump is kind of the ultimate example of this that we can think of right now. But every side does this. I saw some tweets this week where William Barber, the Reverend Dr. William Barber, was advocating for $15 minimum wage in the U.S., right? And he tweeted at VP Harris saying, you need to get behind this, support it, and let's make this happen. And the number of left-leaning Kamala Harris fans who tweeted back at him saying, why are you dragging the VP? I'm not following anymore. I'm not listening to you anymore. And he's literally just saying, she needs to support a $15 minimum wage. But they're such fans of Harris that that they can't handle hearing a criticism from somebody who, honestly, their Venn diagram of political opinions and what they're trying to accomplish is basically just a circle. Oh, that is, may that description be, be, may that be never said of me. He's Chris, Chris, he's just a circle. (laughs) They're so invested in that narrative in this person can't do any wrong that to even, not even criticize, but just advocate for her to do something else was taken as offensive. Yeah. Like there's the weird thing of like, there's no such thing as accountability anymore. And there's no such thing as the only time there's admittance of guilt is when you're caught for something. And then when you're caught for something, it's, this is not who I am. It's not how I was raised. And so nobody can actually be pushed in a direction because there's always going to be someone. It's like, it's like telling somebody Taylor Swift is just okay. Or on the flip side, how dare you? There you go. Or on the flip side, telling somebody Beyonce, meh, 
like either the Swifties or the Bayhive are coming. They're literally finding your address and they're coming to your house or or saying, you know, making fun of a K-pop K-pop group. Right. Saying BTS is 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 I'm not going to say anything because I'm worried about the BTS army coming through and destroying our show. My and, daughter and, will come for you. See, I, and I don't want that. I don't want your daughter to come for me because because of the fandom. But you, you add that to like and you understand, like if you're a fan of a if I like Kevin Durant and you like LeBron and we argue over stats or you're a fan of Taylor Swift or Beyonce, it's a whole different thing when like politicians and and preachers pastors become rock stars and you're you're unable to keep them accountable and whisper in their ear you're just a human because god forbid you do that and then suddenly people who aren't willing to see their faults simply say own i only see their best it's 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 beyond it's be ah, it's beyond me i think well is it whoa whoa, whoa what are you saying what are you saying are you coming are you, are you coming I mean, for me are you coming for me are we doing this? I know that you're a massive Kobe Bryant fan. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? That's true. No, it's true. I am. It's true. And I think that's such a perfect example. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're doing this, eh? Game so how, like, how would you explain it? Oof. Because that's, that's not your values. You, yeah. You'd be like, you'd okay. be like Donald okay. Trump talked about this and you shouldn't be supporting him. But I bet you there's a Kobe Bryant jersey in your closet. Oof. All right. Well, well, um, well, I would, I would, ah, okay. I, uh, okay, we're doing this. I remember, I remember uh, working at, um, at a, a school uh, in Peterborough, Ontario. And I remember it was 2013, 2014. I'm sitting with a student and we were talking about basketball players. And I said, just quite matter of fact, matter matter of factly, you know, like Kobe Bryant's been my favorite basketball player since I was a kid. Falls since 1996. He's only a couple years older than me. I've been a Laker fan my entire life. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that part of my life. That's the the, the, the Lakers and the Raptors are who I ride for. Uh, and it's only out of you know loyalty to the team, which is also like like Kobe Bryant was that dude. And this young woman who I literally watched the respect for me leave a little bit. And she asked me, so how can you cheer for him knowing what you know of him? And I did what anybody would do. I stumbled and fumbled through an answer to kind of like justify my own sort of like, this is why I think it, it's, it's, I said the, may I say the, the, the BS answer that, you know, like we, I just joked about a couple minutes ago. I said, it's not who he was. It's, you know, all this sort of stuff. And I can legitimately see the respect that this girl had for me as a leader, as a pastor, as an influence in this person's life, leave a little bit. I actually was able to watch that. Um, his sexual assault case in 2004, Eagle, uh, um, Eagle, Colorado, was in my 23rd year of life. 23, the 23-year-old Chris would have been like, listen, man, I, I, I would have done like many people do now. I would have blamed her. Straight facts. Straight backs, no, no, no bull. I would have, I would have blamed her. She probably entrapped him. She probably was, you know, she probably was, she probably wanted that, you know, clout wasn't the word back in 2000 and whatever, 2004, but that would have been the, the, the idea. I would have, I would have likely blamed her. Please don't cancel me for my past. I ask, but that's, that's what, that's what I would have done. That's what I would have done. 
And so to be able and to look at it now at at the at the ripe age of 40 after a couple of days at the time of this recording, um, my my fandom for Kobe is very complex. My my fandom for Kobe also includes the fact that when he passed away, I met I mentioned in a Facebook post because it really moved me that he died the way he did, that I I cheered him knowing all of these things. And it's a part of his story. Does that mean that I I don't that I don't like cheer in past tense? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that I cheer conflicted? Yes, every time, because I know that every like that's not his entire story, and recognize that the back end of his life he, I have to believe, worked to make amends for that, and you know the whole the the girl dad trend and being a a massive um, influence financially and verbally for the WNBA and the women's game basketball and things like that. Also, you know it changes things. And if we're being honest, Eric, winning. Winning changes everything. Al Davis of the the owner, the former owner and GM of the LA Raiders, Oakland Raiders, would always say, "Just win, baby, win." And winning changes the narrative. So, in two thousand, if you read news about Kobe Bryant, two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven, even that was one of the first things that came up in the bio. Kobe Bryant wins an MVP in two thousand eight. He wins Olympic gold in 2008. He wins a championship in 2009. He wins a championship in 2010. He wins another um, He wins another gold medal in 2012. He wins an Oscar for Deer Basketball after retiring. And the, the story changes. He wins. Now that he's passed on, him and, and his daughter, uh, Jana, as a fan... I don't think 20, 20, 40 year old me would have a much harder time. 40 year old me would likely be like, I don't know if I could cheer for him the same way that I, that I did. 40 year old me would be siding with the victim. 40 year old me. I don't know if he would cancel Kobe Bryant, but he wouldn't necessarily be rocking his Jersey openly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was saying earlier when we were, when we were recording before we were recording, I was listening to a song this morning. I was reading a blog on one of our favorite websites, The Ringer, which is not better than Grantland. Grantland forever. Um, and they were talking about this song called Swagger Like Us, sung by Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, Kanye West, and T.I. And I'm bumping this song. And then I'm remembering the news that's come out about T.I. and his wife, uh, Tamika, that allegedly they have together as a couple uh, fostered a ring of sexual assault on numerous women. And I was like, oh man, that sucks. But this song slaps. But they assaulted. This song bangs. I don't know if I can listen to this song anymore without hearing these women. Oh, nuts. End song. So I think, and maybe it sounds like I'm just justifying my existence as a fan, but it comes with complexity. And I think that uh, my 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 loyalty to Kobe Bryant is not as blind as it was at 23 years old. There's a, a realization that there is good and there is bad, and there's not one outweighs the other, but they are literally both housed in the same person. Yeah, I think that ability to critique and recognize that things are complex, even in the people and organizations and teams that we admire, right, that we're fans of, is super important. I think about the whole thing with Dr. Seuss right now and him being quote unquote canceled. 
Well, that's not really what's happening if you look at it. It's his publisher looking at those books, looking at his legacy and saying, you know, most of his stuff is really great, but mm-hmm. these handful of books, which most of us have never read because yep, they're the exactly, obscure ones. Yeah. It's not Cat in the Hat. They go, there's stuff in here that when we look at it, that's offensive. It it could be hurtful. It might cause harm. It perpetuates stereotypes about people. And we don't want to be about that. And so as much as we are the Dr. Seuss Foundation and we love him and we want to honor him, we have to wrestle with his legacy as it exists. And so we don't want to keep perpetuating that part of who he was. That's not to take away from all the other brilliant stuff he did and to stop publishing all of his books. And nobody asked them to do this really, but they said, hey, no, this isn't who we wanna be yeah. and we're gonna make these changes. And I actually think that's really admirable because Richard Beck, who's a psychologist and an author, talks about how we gain value and meaning in our lives by associating with things that are bigger than ourselves, religion, institutions, teams, figures that will kind of outlive us in a way. It's out of this idea that we have this sort of scarcity mindset that we're not good enough. We're always wrestling with the question of, am I enough as a person? And so we align ourselves out of that insecurity with organizations, religions, churches, people bigger than us. And we become fans of these teams. Mm-hmm. And in that team success, that I'm a success. Yeah. And the 2019 Toronto Raptors championship validated me and the 15 years of fandom I had before that. Right. And I felt better as a person because I now cheer for a team that won an NBA championship. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a small thing. And it, it becomes much bigger when it's this political party that is going to enact laws that I think make a real difference in the lives of people and can change the trajectory of the future for what I think is the better. Well, then I'm, I'm super invested in success and I'm going to donate money and my time. And the more that I do that, the more I'm invested in that organization or that political party or that church, the more I'm invested in that team, the harder it is to critique them, the harder it is to disengage, the harder it is to, to have that bird's eye view and say, what's really going on here? And say, yeah, there's good things, but there's also bad things here. Mm-hmm. And to have that well-rounded thing. Because when we do that, it's like we're doing it to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, you, know, you go back to the, the, the Dr. Seuss analogy, which is an analogy. It's, it's real. When the foundation decided to take these six books out of print because of what, uh, what they perpetuated, stereotypes of, of African people, people from the continent of Africa, in terms of their, uh, their physical and mental depiction. Do you know the other books shot up uh, in sales because people thought the liberals are canceling Dr. Seuss. We need to show our appreciation for the guy who wrote Cat in the Hat and Horton Hears a Who. Not realizing that the foundation themselves said what you just said. There is good here that has been done, but also the guy who created these things, he said some pretty crappy things too. He drew some pretty crappy things. He has said on record some anti-Semitic things. 
And we don't want his legacy to be tied to that. And therefore, in order to make the future better, we are going to remove these books. We're not taking this away. We're saying that this guy was human. We're saying that there are some parts of Kim that we are not proud of, even if he was proud of them. And we want to reshape that legacy. And the response of that was, how dare you cancel Kim? We, were, we are going to make Cat in the Hat number one again. And the irrational part, the irrational fandom part is when we're unable to see the flaw. And not realize that buying more Dr. Seuss books just gives more money to the foundation that took the six books out of print. <laughs> it, uh. <laughs> I, I saw a meme the other day where it was a picture of the cat in the hat and the Bible right next to it. And it was like, this is just practice for what they're really trying to do. <laughs> we'll get into that in the, in the next episode, right? In this sort of conspiracy thinking this narrative thinking that there's these enemies out there who are out to get our team and yeah. that explains so much and everything is tied into that right well that's yeah 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 yep i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get ahead of us i'm not gonna get ahead of, our, ahead of us i'm gonna stick with episode two and leave it for the next one i'm not gonna get ahead of ourselves but i will say this though i will say this before we close off i will say this that irrational fandom will cause us to irrationally protect ourselves even in the face of knowing that what we're doing is wrong it's a ridiculous thing i think that's the thing though right is naturally we're gonna feel our, our scarcity mindset our attachment to these teams and these organizations and how our identities wrapped up in that when they're criticized or critique is raised pushback is given our natural reaction is to get defensive we go fight flight freeze whatever because it feels like it's happening to us. But the important thing is to go do that internal work and ask ourselves, why am I getting defensive right now? What is it about this that's triggering that for me? So if I'm an organization and Chris posts about a glass ceiling, if you, if you did that if you for the meeting house where I work and you were like, you know, there's a glass ceiling here, I might initially feel defensive, be like, I like the meeting house, I work here. You're criticizing me. That, that's that's part of what I'm, I'm part of this organization. But at the end of the day, I have to go, wait a second. Why did I get defense about that? Why is Chris's experience not valid? Why is that critique not something that I need to take seriously? Am I so attached to the organization, to my team, that I value my team more than a person? And I think as soon as we start valuing our teams more than the people in our lives... That's when a rational fandom gets really dangerous. Ooh, this has been a good episode, my friend. And there's so much more to talk about. So much more to talk about. This has been the Chris Two Cent Eric Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to leave a five-star review. You can catch up with me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I'm at Eric for Slewis in all those spaces. And you can find me on all socials by simply searching the word that Chris Chase, one word. You can also find me with my goon squad putting in work at the House of Commons show on both YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Both Chris and I are regular contributors to the Meeting House blog. 
You can find the work that we do there at themeetinghouse.com slash blog. Special thanks goes out to CAT for providing the musical soundtrack for this podcast. You can hear more from CAT by finding them on Bandcamp or Metapop. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.